Hey, it's Anna Sale, and I want to thank you for listening to Death, Sex, and Money, where I explore the big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. You can hear new episodes ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Death, Sex, and Money and all of your Slate favorites without the ads. I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. We're coming up on the anniversary of your accident, Hiroki. Is that, does that date stick out in your mind? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've definitely feel like this week I've been feeling a bit down, actually. Just, I, I think it's the, a, a sense of, as the as the time passes and it becomes more permanent, you know, it becoming more real. This is Death, Sex, and Money. I wish I was dead. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot. Well, you have to show me that sometime. I think that can be arranged. And need to talk about more. I'm putting in half the money or I'm not going in. Grace! I'm Anna Sale. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Hiroki. Oh, hello. When I asked Rachel Swiddenbank and Hiroki Takeuchi to go to a studio in London to talk with me, it took a minute to get the settings right. I'm noticing there's a little bit of bleed. Can you turn down your headphones? Because I'm hearing myself back. Do you know how to do that? Uh, how do we do that? We're, we're, there seems to be lots of controls. I first interviewed Rachel and Hiroki about a year and a half ago. Rachel had written me about a cycling accident that left Hiroki in a wheelchair, paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, hey, uh, sorry. Yep. Apparently there's some bleed. What's this thing do? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no? It's, all, it's all set up. I'm just pointing at buttons now. Hiroki, you can't solve this problem. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, we're just going to go oh my ahead. God. Okay? okay, thanks. I feel like I have a very good sense of your can-do attitude, Hiroki. I feel like you're quite a problem solver. Not very effective, though. (laughs) Hiroki's accident happened three weeks after their wedding, and I wanted to hear from them how their lives and their marriage has changed two years into Hiroki's recovery. I actually think when it comes to -to day-to-day routine, it's really hard to identify the differences from what it was like before and what it's like now. Like, everything on a surface level and the routine it's so normalized now that you don't spot the differences the times that you really feel the change is when you're taken out of that routine so say we go on holiday I'm probably going to end up packing all of the luggage whereas you would have taken responsibility for that yourself before and then I'll probably end up carrying most of it Mm. and in the airport we used to we used to be those like those loser people who'd like try and get through the airport as fast as possible and turn up as late as possible and then get off the plane as quickly and you know be the first to passport control like it was some sort of race um and now it's like we're always the last people off the plane 
Rachel and Hiroki are in their early 30s. When I first talked with them, they were still figuring out the basics of their new life. At that point, Hiroki was relying on Rachel for help with a lot of day-to-day tasks. Showering, dressing, using the bathroom. He's more independent now. I try and get up early. We both try and get up early and do some exercise. Um, the, the main difference is that Rachel goes and does exercise and then, you know, is in the office by 8.39. Whereas if I do exercise, then, you know, by the time I've got back, gone through all my kind of bowel and bladder and all the, the sort of, you know, uh, toilet stuff and got showered, then, like, I, you know, I'm in the office at 10.30, 11 at the earliest, really. So I am pretty slow in the morning. And Rachel, when you think about what your life looked like when we talked before, how is it different for you, mm. your weekday routine? Now, Hiroki is fully independent. So I think, you know, the few things that he asked me for is when he can't reach something on a shelf. Um, so m- my routine's the same as it was before. Um, it's just it's in, it's just without the part where we shared that morning routine together, mm. um, which, is, which is, yeah, the sad bit. Their routines with their friends have changed, too. For the most part, they've felt supported. But there are times when it feels painfully obvious that their lives are very different from other young couples. Like last year, when they traveled to Hawaii with a big group. Then everyone was hanging out, and we were all together around the pool. And then someone was just like, I'm going to go down to the beach. And suddenly the whole crew went down to the beach and were like, in the sea, frolicking around. And you had to go down steps to get down there. And... You couldn't. We couldn't get onto the beach because there was no wheelchair. Um, there was no beach wheelchairs, and so we were just stood. At, well, I was stood. Or he was sat next to me. But we were just looking at our friends having all this fun, and we were just like not able to participate. And it was just, it was really difficult. And but but seeing it, it's like I didn't want to go and participate because I didn't want to leave Hiroki by himself. So I would rather have been there and feel that sadness together than than to leave him um but but we're starting to get a bit better where you'll be like oh rach why don't you go off and do this with mm. these people and i'll do this with someone else and so it used to be always that it was on me to stay with Hiroki or or to be there but actually some of our friends are really good at kind of stepping in so that you're not left by yourself or, or that kind of mm. thing yeah i mean i think it's it's one of those things that you know it's definitely something that in general is something that i'm i definitely worry about and and fear is missing out on things or being left out because I can't be part of something you know and and so you know the th- so sometimes people will invite me to things where it's really like not that realistic for me to be part of it and even though I'm I, I'll say no I still really appreciate the invite because at least then it's sort of I've got a choice in it so to speak I still feel like I'm part of it, even if I'm not there. Yeah. Um, and I can't actually think of any off the top of my head because, uh, like, my friends have generally I can been think, I can think of one time. Um, there was a group of people going away and you weren't invited. And uh, you were really, that. really sad about it. Oh, you mean the, that stag do? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although, actually, that, I spoke to him afterwards. No, I had words with him about it. It was just magnified into this huge deal. And you said it was a stag do? That's like a that's like a bachelor party. Oh, like a bachelor oh. party, yeah. I mean, we went to the wedding, and it's like you know, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have been able to go to the 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 the, the thing anyway. And what were the words you had, Rachel? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, I was just I really wanted to understand whether her he had not been invited 
because he was in a wheelchair. Um, so I asked. Um, and he was like, uh, I actually first had words with the best man and then I had words with the, with the, uh, with the groom. Was this at the wedding? Yeah, this was at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Does it feel comfortable, Hiroki, knowing that Rachel was advocating for you afterwards, like checking it out? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I don't mind. I mean, like that's that, that's something that's not really a change from before the accident <laughs> in many ways. Like Rachel was always quite a fiery one, and uh, you know, so everyone, everyone everyone knows that's part of the package that you get with Rachel. So she, she doesn't shy away from conflict. At the time of the accident, Rachel and Hiroki were both running startups in London. Yahoo called them one of London's coolest tech power couples. Hiroki is the CEO of a financial tech company called GoCardless that now has hundreds of employees. He started back to work part-time pretty soon after the accident. Rachel, though, had to close her business. She wasn't able to raise investor funds and take care of Hiroki at the same time. So she didn't work for about a year, which she found really frustrating. She's now a VP of marketing at another tech company, but she started back at work as a consultant at Hiroki's business. They worked together for six months. I was reporting kind of to Hiroki. Um, so everyone was like, what's it like to work for your husband? Um, it's probably the least we've ever argued. Yeah, true. <laughs> but um, it's interesting because I look back on it now and it was such a powerful time for me to see Hiroki back at work behaving normally because our, because our life at home had gotten so... Uh, I was still essentially his carer. And I wasn't his wife. And it's and seeing him in this position where he was holding authority and he was confident, it was amazing to see that. And I, I think f- for the sake of our relationship, to some extent, I probably needed that at that point in time. So I, I didn't realize at the time how beneficial it would be, but um, it was amazing to work there. And like I was, mm. I think I was desperate for that full-time work because I was going a bit crazy, I think. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't good for you not, not working. No, it wasn't. That's interesting because I wondered if if working for Hiroki's company had would have made you feel somehow like like you were still needing to to orient your life around him, but it sounds like it was the opposite. It was quite empowering and healthy to see him in the workplace. Yeah, definitely. Like at the time, like I always make this joke. I think throughout our thirteen years, Hiroki, uh, sometimes being with Hiroki is like being on the Hiroki show, and I'm just like a side member, uh, like one of the supporting acts. Um, and it's always centered around Hiroki. And then obviously, when his accident happened, that became even more true. And so when I did work for Go Cardless, I was really worried that that would be the case. Um, but I think it was almost like I was part of the picture too versus it feeling like I was out of it. It was like I, I was playing a part and, and that felt important to me. Coming up, Rachel and Hiroki on how things are different for them physically after Hiroki's accident, from sex to just hanging out together. He used to hate it when I used to stick my finger in his belly button. It was like something he used to really annoy him. And now I just do it and he doesn't even know. <laughs> yeah, that's very me. But if I see her doing it, it still freaks me out. Thanksgiving is not a holiday in the UK. 
but over here in America, a lot of us are getting ready for some long hours of traveling this week. And if you need suggestions for good listening to take with you, we can help. Last year, we asked some of our friends who work on other podcasts for their favorite podcast episodes. You likely know a lot of them. And we built an easy-to-download playlist from their suggestions. That playlist is called Podcasts We're Thankful For. And there's a link to it on the website for this episode at deathsexmoney.org. We also recommend podcast episodes in our newsletter every week. So you can go back and comb through past issues for ideas at deathsexmoney.org slash newsletter. And if you haven't already, subscribe there. The team puts a lot of work into our newsletter every week, and it's an email that's definitely worth your time. And one more thing, if you're new to the show, welcome. We're thankful for you. If you have something to share or ideas for stories we should tell, our inbox is always open. Email us at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. On the next episode, I talk with another couple navigating a reality that they can't change. What happens if they cancel DACA and then they go after all the DACA recipients and, like, we have a baby. Like, I don't want to be a single mom under those circumstances. Right now, with this administration, you never know where you stand. You know, so you can be good today and then tomorrow is chaos. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. We have had a lot of exciting new things to share with you about the show recently, but this might be some of our biggest news yet. Death, Sex, and Money is officially going to be live in New York City at the Tribeca Festival on June 11th. And I want to personally invite you to the live taping we'll be doing with the legendary journalist Kara Swisher. If you know Kara's work, you know her ability to get people to tell her things is unmatched. And she does it in her signature, hard-charging way. She's not afraid of things getting a little combustible. I have a slightly different interview style, so we're going to talk about that and play around with that in experimental ways that I think will make this a special show unlike any of our other live shows up to this point. And it's not often that I get to do a live Death, Sex, and Money show in New York, so I really hope to see you there. Whether you're in the city, on the East Coast, or just been looking for a reason to visit New York City, come on June 11th for this show. You can get tickets now at TribecaFilm.com slash DeathSexMoney. We are so excited to see you there. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. Rachel and Hiroki always wanted kids. But when I first talked with them after Hiroki's accident, a big open question was whether they'd be able to. This year, they learned they could conceive together, but they have to do it through IVF. I remember coming out of that appointment and we were like, 
so excited that it was a possibility. Um, yeah. And we were like, oh, most people would be really disappointed if they found out this was the only way they could conceive a child. Um, but for us, it was it was a big win. And then um, I went to get blood tests and followed up. And anyway, I ended up at this appointment um, at an IVF clinic. And we got there and they were like, yeah, so um, basically you can start next week. And we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, <laughs> this feels a bit sudden and a bit soon. Definitely feels like it's, it's I'm not sure we're ready just yet, but mm. if it's, it's something that we know we want to do at some point. But we mm. actually, uh, some friends of ours uh, who's, you know, the guy also has spinal cord injury and has been in a wheelchair for like 10 years. And uh, yeah, they, they just had their their first baby. Mm. And so it's, it's it's really nice seeing them, you know, start their family together and, you know. Yeah, for for me, the biggest thing that I find from from talking um, with them is understanding that the feelings that we have are normal. Yeah. So being a bit apprehensive is normal, mm, and like, yeah. um, it's okay to feel a little bit angry that you have to go through uh, like a process with your body that you don't that that you shouldn't have to. Like, it's okay to feel like that. Yeah, because it's like IVF for you, Rachel, will be a thing that you have to go through in your body after so much emphasis on Hiroki's body. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sound like um the most enjoyable experience. Um and so but at the same time like I'm you know I'm grateful that we can do it. But the fact that that's our first option uh, sometimes it's like it's just the reminder of of some of the uh some of the things that we have to sacrifice. Hiroki, when you when you think about being a father, what do you picture? Yes, it's it's a weird one. Um, you always picture that you'd have a family, and that you know it's not like I'd pictured it a lot before. But you know, you, you have these images of based on your own ch- childhood um, of you know playing with your kids or you know exploring with them and. But then there's been things that have helped, like, you know, when I speak to uh, our friend who's just had a baby and he's in, in that wheelchair and, you know, I think that he said something to me that really stuck with me, which was that, because, like, one of the things that really worried me was that I wouldn't be able to be a proper dad to to our children. And I remember talking to him about it and he, he said, we were quite drunk at the time, so I can't remember if I remember it correctly, entirely correctly, but... You know, he was saying something along the lines of, "Look, like that's you're 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 reflecting your own feelings about how you want to be in the situation, not what your kids would need." And so, I think there's a level of like you know redefining what fatherhood means through a different lens. It doesn't mean that it's worse; it's just different. And what's it like being together physically now between the two of you when it's not about trying to get pregnant? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's something that we, I don't think we've figured out really. I mean, I think that we we definitely have a lot of intimacy and, you know, a lot of closeness. But, um, I, I mean, physically it's like possible, but it's like, I think that there's so much baggage around it in a way, yeah. like, you know... Um, it's around, just so emotional yeah. because it's like day to day, you know, we can be sat at breakfast and we're just chatting away and we're having an amazing time, we're laughing together and the accident isn't and what happened isn't present. But in those moments where it's like, can we have sex? It's like suddenly 
oh no, this is huge obstacle. And it's really, we have lost something. Like we really yeah. have lost an element of our relationship and it's really hard. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's been progress, 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 progress. And then like maybe the last three, four months, it's kind of flattened out in terms of what you would classify as progress. And suddenly it's like, oh no, this is one big topic that we still need to face. Um, and we don't really talk about it much with each other. Yeah, I guess not. It's one of those things we kind of ignore a little yeah. bit. And given, you know, we're open and honest about all the other pieces, this bit we kind of suppress. I think it's because we feel a little bit lost with it, you know? Yeah. We don't really know where to go. When do you cuddle? We cuddle a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, like, he gets home from work and I'll, like, get on his knee and give him a cuddle. Um, or what, actually, it's going just in, in bed. Hiroki doesn't ever cuddle me anymore. I have to, I have to cuddle him. And then, he, and then he'll, like, roll over. I call it the whale move um, onto his front. It's like this big dramatic turn in bed. And then he's like, Rachel, come and cuddle me. <laughs> so we, we do cuddle a lot. Yeah. yeah, And where are you most often when you're putting your finger in his belly button? Oh, we'll be like, oh, that's terrible. We watch so much more TV in bed now. It's really bad. Um, <laughs> and it'll be like, we'll be laying in bed and I'll be cuddling him and I'll be stroking his chest and then I'll go down and do a little poke in his belly. <laughs> I don't think he even knows. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that might be happening every night for all I know. <laughs> I was really struck, Rachel, by what you said about progress, progress, progress. Like, I imagine when you're when you're in a period of recovering from a traumatic injury where the the objective, Hiroki, for you was to get stronger, learn to use a wheelchair, learn to get around, learn to adapt. You had a series of, you know, things you could say, I'm going to learn how to achieve this and achieve it. And then at a certain point, you're just in real life? Mm. It's more just like a, mm. this realisation that this is it, right? This is this is what I'm living with. Um, and this is this is what I have to accept is going to be the rest of my life. That That's hard. Do you think of it as grief? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I, I think it is. It's kind of a mourning. Do you think you're still grieving, Rachel? Rachel's crying right now, so I think so, yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, definitely. Um, if I'm really honest, like, there was a period where I was like, is this something Is this something I w- want to accept and be in forever? Um, do I want to do this? And, like, I really had to spend time thinking about it and processing it and being like, yeah, yeah, you absolutely do. Like, you know, like, Haruki's your husband. Like, of course you want to spend your life with him. And this little thing isn't going to get in the way. It's not really a little thing. No, but but this is what you say. (laughs) (laughs) And it is little, because we can get around so much of it. That's Rachel Swiddenbank and Hiroki Takeuchi in London. 
There's a link to my first conversation with them on our website at deathsexmoney.org. And Rachel is a really good follow on Instagram, where she's still chronicling Hiroki's recovery and their life together at hero underscore my hero underscore. That's H-I-R-O underscore my H-E-R-O underscore. Death, Sex, and Money is a listener-supported production of WNYC Studios in New York. I'm based at the studios of the investigative podcast Reveal in Emeryville, California. Our team includes Katie Bishop, Annabelle Bacon, Stephanie Joyce, Joanna Solotaroff, Emily Botine, and Andrew Dunn. Thanks to Keegan Zima for his help on this episode. The Reverend John Delore and Steve Lewis wrote our theme music. I'm on Twitter at Anna Sale. The show is at Death, Sex, Money on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And as always, you can email us with your reactions, your story ideas, your questions at deathsexmoney at wnyc.org. Rachel, Hiroki, and I had this conversation just before the second anniversary of his accident. And they told me they were planning a party. We call it a fuck the accident party. I get very <laughs> drunk, I've already decided. Oh my God, we did it last year as well. And you should have seen the carnage. Like, it was like we were like 20-year-old frat house. Like, we've just done up our house. We bought all this lovely furniture. We had a party. There was vomit on the floor. And when I went to get into bed, there were already four guys in the bed. (laughs) I was like, what is going on? (laughs) I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. 